0: Tonight, Noel Isaacs, who's here with his wife Donna. Noel will be speaking. And we have a a little bit of a connection, though we only met two years ago, a connection that dates back 20 years. Because the speaker we have next Sunday, which is David Roos, he came and spoke here 20 years ago, 1997, and I took him down to the airport at Heathrow. We got confused about which terminal, it was terrible weather, awful traffic, and missed his flight. And so, we went and slept somewhere the night together, and then we went into London. Before the days really really the internet, we had to go and find a bucket shop, and we bought a ticket. And here we are, a church, only, I don't know, less than a year old, and it was a, quite an expensive ticket to get him out to Kathmandu. And so, we forked out and did that. And we felt it was like an investment in whatever was going on in Kathmandu and Nepal. Now, David was actually flying out to meet with uh, Noel and the guys out there, through which a movement now has been built. Another little connection that we have as a church is that some of you will remember just over two years ago, the Nepal earthquake. Which flattened uh, much of, well, many of the houses of his own church, and right across that whole region, just devastated that area. And uh, Noel will probably just comment on that a little bit tonight. But uh, actually, it was David Roos' church that he'd originally planted in Winnipeg, Canada, that immediately organised a means by which churches could get money on the ground right there in Nepal. So we were a church that could respond within days with sending uh, a reasonably large check and put money in the bank, so that they could just go to the hole in the wall and really be among the only people in that whole region with access to money, and therefore access to lorry loads of rice and so on, and they were able to feed themselves as well as vast numbers of other people, so uh, we have a bit of a connection, and we were so, so enjoyed meeting Noel a couple of years ago, and we're thrilled that you're here again tonight, would you please welcome Noel Isaacs. Thank you.
1: I need to drink the water first. Hello and good evening. Is there any Nepali people here? Okay, good to see you one Nepali person. It's amazing because uh, UK, you know, you know so many Gorkha army soldiers you know, from Nepal come and serve in your country, and last year I was in, um, uh, in London. Um, Riverside Vineyard, and they were trying to reach out to Nepali people, and, you know, they were trying to reach out to Nepali people, but the problem with the Nepali people there was like the tons of 120 Nepali people used to come to their church and learn English, but they couldn't come to the church because they had a language barrier. So I had requested the pastor when I was speaking in their church, why don't you just gather them in one of, like, in the afternoon and just let them do the church, and you just be around them. And I was kind of dreaming that maybe that's how we can partner, you know. There's so many Nepali people here in the UK, you know, and maybe they can reach out to the Nepali people, and they can meet in their church and do the service in Nepali, and then they can send them back to Nepal, and with them, we can go to the mountains and plant more churches. And I heard a month ago that now there's a Nepali community gathering in this church. So I'm just suggesting maybe we can partner that way with this church too. Amen! Yeah. Today I want to talk about a topic or a word that's very dear to me, and it's about compassion. But before that, you know, John was asking me about a few things that happened or a few things that I can share about the earthquake. Actually, we were at the church uh, uh, on that day when the earthquake struck us. We were in a, in a church service, and I was leading the worship, and we had the communion. And right after the communion, one of our uh, guest speakers was supposed to come and, and speak. Then suddenly, there's a shaking starts happening, and we heard a loud noise, like loud noise and dust, because all the houses, like within like half an hour, we saw all the houses came down. And there was like bodies, and there was a crying, and there was a weeping, and there was a, some kind of noise that I've never heard. So much pain and suffering, and the worst one was there's so many people that a part of our church are also from the villages, and their houses are made of muds. And now they were scared that now how to go back to their home. There's no transportation. Everybody started s- sleeping on the street. That was the only open space and safest space. So, after a couple of hours being in the courtyard, some people started slowly going back to their villages. And to their worst imagination, they were expecting death because some of their old parents, some of their old uh, relatives, those who couldn't walk uh, were inside, that, inside their mud home. And I just want to share one story. We have… I have a, one, of our, one of our church members, he, ha- he uh, His father is 90 years old, and he couldn't… He's, he's bedridden, and he, he needs somebody to uh, take him to the toilet and to, to, you know, feed him, and he had left him uh, in the house. And he said, okay, Dad, I'm going to go to the church and bring the bread and the cup because that was the day we were, uh, you know, having coming in together. And he, and he started crying uh, when the earthquake, you know, stuck us. And he said to me, Pastor Noel, uh, I can't go home. I said, why? I, no, I can't go home. I don't want to see my dad's body under the rubble. You know, everything's under the rubble. I can't. I can't. And I said to him, no, go, trust in the Lord. Go, 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 don't worry. If anything happens, you run to me and maybe we'll do something because so much chaos happening, chaos happening. And next day he came back running to us and he said, oh, my dad is alive. And I said, what happened? And, and he said, he asked, he said, we went, when we went to his home, his, his house was like flattened on the ground. There's nothing in rubble. And he was thinking that his old, 90s old dad is under the rubble. But as he was walking towards the house, he saw his dad was on on the terrace land on one of the mountain top, a little bit on the top, and he was surprised how come his dad is sitting on the mountain top and looking towards down the flattened house. And he was surprised and said, Dad, what happened? And his dad says, I don't know what happened. Something pushed me, picked me up from my bed and just landed me here. And we are a church, and we are in church in Nepal. And you know, when when they heard this uh, news, so many churches—I don't know—I didn't even know that so many churches from all over the world they gathered and they sent help. And after two days, we started getting news that, first of all, 172 homes of our believers were flattened. This over, and over like. Two thousand of our own believers, we found that they were hungry because everything was flattened on the ground. The pots and pans and the fireplace and the, and the rice and everything was, they can't even go because the, the house were half broken. They can't even enter because it's going to fall more. I don't know what happened. And, and I realized that the supply starts coming to us. I don't know from where, but so many supplies from the black market, from in the nighttime, you know, there were riots going on. We're able to collect rice. And now I can say, I, I wanna, that's why I'm here to say thank you to John and Debbie and this church that I, 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 I heard later that you sent some, some gifts to us to help the people. Just to make it shorter, that we were able to provide 50 pound rice bags to over 9,000 people. So far, we have built over 50 homes. We have provided around 350 subsidies to build more homes. We have started so many businesses That's all logistics. Okay, but after two years of being in this situation The greatest thing the greatest thing that I can say is like in the midst of all these so many vineyard churches poured their uh, resources to us and I think you guys gave us not because you had money not that you wanted to tell us that, oh, you have, you know, you have all these resources. I believe that you gave to that because you heard the story. You saw photos. You saw t- news on the TV, and I think something happened in your heart. I think your heart was filled with compassion. I think the gifts came out of the compassion from your church and from your hearts, and you know what happened? Now I can say. We not just gave rice. that's not even important. We not just build home, but we were able to lead people to the Lord from the, from the rubble to the Lord. We were able to give hope. We were able to baptize so many people. Now there's a joy, still, still homes are broken, still everything is not restored, but people are healthy. People are trusting the Lord and singing songs and dancing and saying, thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. 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 So many people gave, so many people helped in that, in that period of time because it was a project for them, but for us, it was not a project. It was a hope that we're able to give them that comes from Christ. And I believe tonight that there are many of you who are sick. God is going to heal you tonight. As I, as I move on, wherever the pain is, wherever the struggle is, just put your hand and say, Lord, here am I. In this half an hour, you heal me, and God is going to heal you. I can go on and on and on, but thank you, uh, this church, for standing with us, standing with us for the lost and the weary and the broken and the poor and the dying and the widows and the orphans. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is already there for me, the Holy Spirit is already there for you, but together we can change this world with the hope that comes from Christ. I want to read a few scriptures like… Psalms 119. It says, let your compassion come to me that I may live. Let your compassion come to me that I may live. Matthew 9.36 says, when Jesus saw the crowd, Matthew 14.14 says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, He had compassion on them. And Matthew 20:34 says, Jesus had compassion on them, and touched their eyes, immediately they received sight. I can go on and on and on, but if you really, if you really look, if you really try to understand the four gospel, if you really try to understand why Jesus did all these things, what was happening to his heart, why, what, was, what was the driving force, why he was doing miracles, what was the reason behind it, what prompted him, what drove him, what dr- was driving him. What is happening to his heart when he saw the poor and the broken and the dying and the hungry? One word that really clicks in my head is like, it's the compassion. It's the compassion. And I I believe this word, and I am sharing this word because this church understands compassion. Compassion is so important in our lives as believers and Christians. There are so many in the world who is after doing good work. The good work doesn't change life. The good work doesn't initiate miracles. The good work can be a good work, no problem. It's a good work, and I appreciate doing good work, but we as believers, we as the body of Christ, we as the community, whatever we do, it has to be coming out of the heart of compassion. When Jesus looked at a sick person, when Jesus looked at a blind, when Jesus saw the hungry, something happened. Many times, when I when I pray for a sick person, I'm asking the Lord, okay, Lord, Lord, where is your power to heal the sick? I started praying, Lord, where is the compassion that's that's pushing me to pray for the sick? It's the compassion that 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 opens up door to do the work of the kingdom. Compassion is the door, is it, it, it's something that opens door to, to advance the kingdom of God. There's a difference. When I, when I was young, I was taught to preach and I preached the gospel. And many times people listen and many times they didn't listen. Sometimes I was excited, sometimes I was down because sometimes it was not working, so it was working. And I started realizing that when I, when I talk about the gospel, when I share gospel on the roadside or wherever, first of all, I look to that person. When I look to that person, something needs to happen to me. It's the compassion. I want to move from here to Matthew 25. In Matthew 25, 31 to 34, and all the way to 46, we all have read this Scripture, and He says, 31, when the Son of Man comes to His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on the throne in the heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him. He talks about our life in heaven, when we get to heaven. And he says, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. I want to share a story which is very dear to me, and this is the second church that I'm sharing this story. I don't share this everywhere. This is very, very very, very dear. When I, when I share this story, I cry all the time. It's very, very dear to me. It changed my life because this happened 20 years ago. When, when God spoke to me, and i feel that god gave me a heart of compassion and you know we moved to kathmandu and you know in nepal we have you know hindu system that means the hierarchy the high caste and the you know, middle class and the low caste and the, the elites, you know and then the broken and then goes to the and the lowest one are the ones who are lepers we have so much caste system you know who is bigger and who is lower and who is the richer and the who, we 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 are into this mess our country india same problem Who are the Brahmins and who are the, you know, the tailors and the sweepers like that, you know? And what happened was when we went to Kathmandu, God clearly told me that don't worry about the church because in the beginning I grew up in a Christian home and I was taught to plant a church. The way I planted church was to go to a city and rent a room and start playing the guitar hoping someone will show up and that becomes the church. That was how I grew up and that was no problem for me. And, and I thought when I go to Kathmandu, that's what I'm going to do. But when I was in Winnipeg, God was really speaking to me that that's not how God's going to use me uh, uh, for this season of my life. So then I realized that when Jesus came, when Jesus came, when He started the work, He was among the people. He was among the poor. He was among the crowd. He was on the street, in everywhere. He was healing the, He was doing all these miracles, you know. And the kingdom was advancing. And the church came later. So with that same mindset, I packed my back with my wife and my friend from Canada and we were going to the slums, you know, we're going to the places and you know my heart was all you know compassion and the love of Jesus, you know, and I was giving food and you know. It was different because I was I grew up in a church where I was told that as a Christian, you give you distribute food. As a Christian, you give a glass of water. That was the duty of the of the Christian, that's what I thought. But I realized that, no, 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 that's not what the script is talking about. If I give a cup of water to a thirsty, it needs to, be, it needs to come out of the heart of compassion. I need to feel that pain, I need to feel that person. Actually, compassion to me is like melting your heart, it melts your heart. Okay, let's do one uh, exercise. You look to your person next to you, okay. And you look to your person next to you, what happens to your heart? How you feel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same way, you know, sometimes, you know, like we as human beings, when I look to somebody next to me, I say, oh, with the moustache, oh, he's the British, uh, oh, it's a Nepali, oh, it's a high calf. That's what happened in the time of John and John and Jesus, people looked to them and said, oh, John and Jesus, they're the friend of the sinners, they're gladdened or something, you know, who eats lots of food, you know, this and that. But when Jesus looked, when Jesus saw, something happens. Today, God's, I feel like the word for us as a vineyard is like, you know, our church and we as people, you know. When we drive out, when we see, now want before I go there, I want to tell this story. So I was in Kathmandu and was doing this thing, okay? I felt like I know compassion, I feel that I have love, so we're going out and, and doing many, many things, you know, on the poor area. And, you know, at that time, a lot of people from Canada was visiting, and my dear friend David was, I don't know where he's here, he's here, oh, he's here. And he, he brought a couple of pastors, okay, to teach them, I think, compassion or whatever. So I I took them to to all the places, you know. I was the hero for them. Oh no, no, no! Okay, okay. This is the poor. Let's pray for the poor. So I left them. I showed them, you know. I thought I showed them, and they they had to go back home now. They they were returning to uh, Canada. So I took them back to the uh, back to the airport. And those times, the airport has in the airport. There's so many lepers. You do you understand leper? Leprosy. Have you seen a leper? Leper person? No, you don't want to see the leper person because the real lepers are like, you know, their, their hands are all melting. What's called that? Decaying, you know, and, and they don't have lips. you know, they only see the teeth, you know, and the eyeball hanging here, nose gone, you know, and ears all, and they hide their face with a blanket, and it's dark and stinking, you know, it's like really like, like you, you, don't, you don't want to even go there because if you go there, then you, it smells. you know, it's, it's so bad that you don't even want to go there. And, you know, um, then it, 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 you catch their disease. We have all these things, you know. And what happens, we go to the airport, and five of them, and I don't know, the leper shows in front of us. The leper shows in front of us. And David, was, I think he was in the front, and he hugged the leper and goes to the other side, and he's turning towards me and all the, all the pastors there. And I'm thinking, no, you, you, don't, no, you don't hug the leper. And I'm thinking, oh, he's a you know, typical Westerner in the mission field, doesn't know the leper. So maybe he's thinking, oh, he's just a beggar. So he hugged. And I, I, knew, I, I don't think you knew he was a leper. It's not a leper for you, yeah? So maybe, so then another pastor, you know, in the mission field, he goes and hugs the leper, gives him some money, and goes to the other side. Now, the third Canadian pastor does. The fourth one and the fifth one hugged the leper, went on the other side, and they're looking towards me as if it's my turn down. And I'm saying, Bye bye, go, go, go. They're still looking at me. And I said, like, no, I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to hug the leper. Hey, get up, get up. You know, I said, You made more money than you were ever make in a month. You know, they gave you so much. But this this leper is looking at me. This with this face, you know, with this blanket over the hair. <sighs> you know? And I'm saying, like, and they don't leave, they're just looking at me, you know, like. It's your turn. And I'm saying, no, 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 Lord. I will do anything. I will do anything. You know, I can carry food, hamper bags, and distribute all day, 24 hours. You know, you go through these emotions, you know, so that you can avoid this this guy in front of you. Wow. And I was thinking, like, and they don't leave. They're just looking at me. I don't know what happened to them. They should go, no? Pardon? The same thing you're about to say happened to all of us. Oh. And they're there. And I'm saying like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to hug. Now, but I thought like, oh, so far I've done so well. If I don't hug the leper, maybe i lose my nose. So it's all things going on, you know. I thought I knew. I, I thought I understood compassion. I thought, oh, I'm the man of God. Oh, I led the team. You know, you go through. I, I, I worship in the church. You know, I lead. I preach, you know. And here's the thing, this guy in front of me. And I thought, okay. Now, Lord... Whatever, I thought I'm going to stop breathing so that the smell doesn't go inside. <laughs> and I'm going to say, okay, quickly I'm going to hug him and out and go. And I said, okay, Lord, so I stopped my, so I stopped my breathing. What do you call breath or breathing? And I do and know something happened that time. Something happened to me. I don't know what happened. My, my intellectual, my brain just stopped there. My, my argument stopped there. And something happened to me and I had to close myself, and I, and I just, in the name of Jesus, you know, somebody used that word to help you, you know. So in the name of Jesus, I hugged him. And then they say, bye-bye, Noel, see you in Canada. So they went. And something happened to me. I don't know what happened to me. My eyes starts just, you know, it's all watery. It just starts, I start crying, you know. And I walk, like I walk 200 200 uh, meters to find a taxi. My friend was with me. And you know, I left, I've I've hugged him and I left him there. And he's the leper, he cannot walk, maybe he he has no legs, he knows all. So maybe, then I walked, I walked like 200 meters and I found a taxi and I sat on the front seat and my friend sat on the back seat and the window was, you you know, they rolled up the window. And I just, I was just like, Crying, and I don't know what happened to me. I don't know. I can't even express that feeling. And I just sat there, and I was like, I don't know. And I looked towards the, I looked towards the glass. And here this leper. He followed all the way there. I don't know why he followed all the way, and he was staring at me. And his face was not the face that I seen before. I looked towards the face. I looked towards the window, and I was like, ah! Oh, and I looked in. His face was glowing. It was not the leper's face. A, it was like a, it's like a glorious face. It was smiling at me. It was not the leper. It was not that dark and stinking and smelling. Not like that. It was like a. It's like a beautiful face, looking at me. But kind of like I knew the face. Kind of like. The leper face, I remember his face because he was watching me all the time. I remember his face, but his face was transformed into a glorious, a radiant. This lights coming to me, and it hit me so hard. By the time I can react, the driver started the car, and we were home. And I cried all night. I cried all night. And I thought, I need to go back tomorrow morning and meet this guy, meet this leper. I don't know what happened. Why this guy followed me from all the way from the, from the departure gate. To all the way to the taxi stand. I don't know, all night I struggled. So next morning, I drove back to the airport and I started looking for this particular leper because I had seen his pant and and the, and the check type of, you know, the blanket that they use all the time. i seen the bandages here. I looked around, for half an hour, I didn't find him. So finally I went to the leprosy colony and I asked him like, do you know such and such and such and such and such? And some of them were crying and I said, look, I'm looking trying to find this particular uh, leper. I didn't say leper, but your friend, you know. And then, and and and, and one of them said, "Sorry, sir. Um, it's, it's, I'm tell you that he passed away last night." And at that moment, the word came to me. I almost missed Jesus. And I said, "Like, wow, Lord, was it you in His spirit?" or it was Jesus through me to him, then I, one word came to me, it's like, I will see him one day up there. It's the compassion. My mind was telling me, oh, don't. Oh, the poor are broken. i ah, you're a beggar. <laughs> and we, in our community, we say, Lord, where are you? And many times we try to find Jesus inside in front of the pulpit, we try to find Jesus when this worship is happening, and He's all there. But that really taught me, because of that step, because of that step in my own weakness, I was not strong. I was not super spiritual. I was not full of anointing. I was not you know. I was just in my own weakness. I just tried I said yes Lord I'll hug this leper and in Matthew 25 you know 34 says the king will say to those on his right come you who are blessed by my father take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation do you know that the trumpet will sound the trumpet will sound and we all will be there and actually I just told you this morning that I saw a, a, a dream for this church. I saw the trumpet sounded. And I saw the heaven. And I saw the gate that everybody was entering. Multitude of people are entering quietly. And suddenly I heard Jesus getting disturbed with Peter and everyone up there. And Jesus says, Hey, Peter. Why there's so much noise outside the gate? And the Peter goes and looks and says, "Oh Jesus, there's a thousands and thousands and thousands of people, one group coming, entering in the gate. That's why there. There's so much noise outside. Not just one person. There's a big crowd of people coming. and they say, "Who are there?" Oh, they are They are the people from Trent Vineyard. And who's leading them? Oh, John and Debbie with their clothes like this Lord, you know, with the, this no teeth, oh. Don't worry, as soon as they enter the gate, they'll be all young. And this are gonna say, oh, who are they? Oh, they are the church, do you know Jesus? That they are the one who gave us, you know, gave you water when they were thirsty? Don't you know Jesus? They are the one that, you know, when you were sick, they visited you in the hospital. Don't you know Jesus that they are the one when you were when you were sick they prayed for you? Don't you know Jesus when the earthquake struck in Nepal they were the one who came all the way and helped Pastor Noel? Oh yeah, and we sit all oh, we all sit there, and maybe John and Debbie will be in the far corner. You know the big guys will be in front, and maybe you know maybe you know I need to I need the glass but Jesus will not. Don't, don't need the glass when that time, you know. And maybe he's going to call your name. He's going to call your name from the multitude of people. Maybe you'll be sitting way far because you're late bringing that big crowd of people with you. You know, you're bringing your people. And you're maybe far away, far away, you know, 10 kilometers down the line. And he's going to sit on the throne and going to call you and say, John and Debbie, come take your inheritance. And everyone say, Oh, who are there? Who are these John and Debbie? And he's going to say, I call your name. The simple act of compassion that you're obedient to do. Compassion is something that that, that we walk with. It's not something that's going to fill you here. Compassion is something that when you're out of this room, when you walk, when you see, you need to get filled. It fills you up. It's not that you, know, you don't need to be like, oh, I'm a compassionate guy. You don't need to write a t-shirt and say, I'm a compassionate guy. Not like that, you know. You walk. You're just a normal. You walk. And suddenly, you will see Jesus. Suddenly, you will know, oh, 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 oh. It's different. It's different. Compassion, it's going to change the lives of people. You want to see miracles? Wanna see miracles happening? You wanna see, you know, around you. You wanna encounter Jesus? You wanna see the power of God? You wanna know where is he is, you wanna know what he's doing, you know where he is. When you look to someone, I just pray that it says, let your compassion come to me that I may live. Leave means what happens. When you see, when you, when you act, when, when compassion flows from you, miracles miracle starts happening. And that's, we call it, encountering with Jesus. Then you suddenly realize, oh. You know what? I grew, I grew up in a church where I was told, oh, you need to have a gift of healing to heal the sick. Pray for the sick. And I asked the Lord, Lord, you know, I'm a pastor's son. Give me the gift of healing so that I can pray for them. And I prayed so many years asking the Lord to give me the gift of healing. And every night I tried, it didn't work. And I said, okay, I don't have the gift of healing. I have the gift of preaching. So whenever people came in front, I asked the gift who had the gift of healing, okay, you are the one. Can you pray for the sake? Because I don't have the gift of healing. You have the gift of healing. I kind of like get caught up with this gift thing, you know. And then what happened in Nepal, when we were going to the poor, when we were going to the poor, our hearts were full of compassion. In one area, in one place, one time, what happened was we met an old lady under the plastic, plastic shack. And she was a beggar all her life. She was begging uh, on, the, on the bridge. And we knew her because we were giving some food hamper to her. We were trying to be friends with her. And one morning, we went there. I went there and I she was crying. She was crying, all red, and she was crying. And I asked her, Didi means sister, what happened to you? I asked her, and she was like, she was crying. She, could, she couldn't even talk. And she said, "Nulai, my husband got drunk and beat me with the iron rod. Do you believe getting drunk and beating with iron rod? And I don't know what happened to me. I, I just felt like crying. But I looked to her, I looked to her, and, and I was not thinking prayer. I was not thinking healing. I was not thinking. I was not thinking anything. My heart just melted when I when I when I hear her pain, and I just stretched my hand. I was not even thinking that I'm going to pray. I didn't even ask her should I pray for you. I just stretched my hand, and as I was stretched my hand, she fell five feet behind the wall and whoop on the wall, and she said, "Ah, fire, fire, fire! I'm healed. What happened?" She just kneeled down, and she thought that I'm the healer, I'm the I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the God or something like that, you know. And I was like. What happened? The healing just took place. And all my life I was expecting some big healing to happen in front of the pulpit, and it didn't happen, but it happened on the on the site. From that day, we've been, God's been so gracious, you know. Everywhere we went, everywhere with the heart of compassion, everywhere we, we saw people and the pain. God was gracious to love this person. And we saw so many miracles. We saw so many. We have so many stories of miracles, and it's all initiated by, I I know, the heart of compassion. It's so important for us to look to each other. It's so important for us to look to the families. It's so important for us to look to our neighbor, our neighbor. With the heart of compassion, it is Jesus. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. If you try to understand the compassion, the preaching becomes fruitful. If you understand compassion, the church plantings becomes easier. If you want to lead more people to the Lord, start with the heart of compassion. If you want to be a good preacher, start with the heart of compassion. If you want to see more miracles in your life, start with the heart of compassion. Your sight, your sight when you look to someone, it has to melt your heart because that's who Jesus was that's who Jesus is like I wanna walk you know my Jesus, I wanna walk like like Jesus walked you know he was all powerful he didn't have to tell the world that he's powerful he, he, you know, he was son of God he had to prove that he, he can do all this but only thing that that changed the situation when Jesus arrived was when he saw when he saw, it's so important, when he saw that's why back home, I always tell our people, let's look to each other. Let's look to each other. And what happens to your heart? When we go out of this place outside the street, what happens in our heart? When you go out out of this place, when you walk, when you're driving, when you're, when you're in the school, when you're in the workplace, when you're, when you're in different situations, what happens? Don't worry about the gift. Don't worry about the anointing. Don't worry about all the work. This will all come to you. Just ask the Lord and say, in that situation, let your compassion come to me now, Lord. Here am I. And here's somebody in front of me. The world is going to look different. The world is going to look different if we as a family of Christ stand and walk with compassion in our hearts, and then we see the changes starts coming. Ask the Lord and say, Lord, I want to see where you are. I want to see where you are walking. I want to see where what you're doing. That's our desire. We we sing that song all the time. Lord, where you are? And Lord is saying, Okay, you want to find me? Okay, let's go out. We just can't, we just can't sit and say, Lord, compassion is something that's going to come if you sit idle. You need to walk. And you know what? Jesus is walking. Jesus is walking right now in the darkest places in this city. You know Jesus is walking. Maybe he's sitting on the roadside. He's here, but he's also sitting on the roadside. Maybe he's, he's somewhere in one of the worst places that you don't even want to go. And you know what? All it takes is this. And God is going to use you and me. Because the scripture says, the greater thing that we are going to do, we will do more than what Jesus did. The greater things that God's given us because you know why because Jesus is not it's here so with that we go